Welcome to Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Miller, your host. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Farm to Plate. They are creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. We have a really fun topic for today. One of my favorite food groups. I know you're going to be excited to hear all about it. We have Mark Adriansons with us. He is the Vice President of Research and Development for North America for Barry Kalambout. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thank you, Pam. Great to be here. Wow. And I am so excited to hear about one of my favorite food groups. Why don't you tell us what your company does for those that might not be familiar with their name? Yeah. So Barry Calabout is probably the largest um, because we are the largest chocolate company in the world. And we produce actually from cocoa bean to chocolate more than 65 countries are so yeah, active uh, uh, around the world but are a B2B company. So meaning that we supply the chocolate or the cocoa powder that you find in your end product. So the chocolate chips in the Chips Ahoy, Magnum coating on a, on, on a Unilever stick, um, we produce the chocolate for it. Yes, and I just think that is amazing that you're just the largest provider, but on the retail level, we don't we don't really see your name out there like we do the because you're providing like you said the businesses that make the food a pretty good percentage of them as a matter of fact yeah yeah we we are always proud to say that one out of four products uh, using chocolate or cocoa is with our products inside and and the closest we come actually to the consumer is to the professional chefs so the restaurants uh horica and 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 some more and there we have some brands like Calabout is our top Belgian chocolate and Tukur best chocolate, but I'm very uh, subjective there since I'm Belgian, uh, uh, if that wasn't clear. Uh, we also have, yeah, like a Coco Berry is a, a premium French chocolate. So, but that are some of our brands that we have for professional users. And that's about the closest we come to, to users. So if I speak with people and they do know Barry Calabout, it's mostly because they are working in restaurant or hotel or something at least uh, closer to the professional usage. Absolutely. So I went to a restaurant that was using your product. Do they do they highlight that somewhere? Is that a, they put that on the menu that, that they're using? They, I know. They, they they sometimes do and they can in principle uh, a dessert made with calabao chocolate best belgian chocolate or so they can do that in principle but yeah so sometimes they do sometimes they don't so yeah well i'm going to be looking for that next time i'm going to have some chocolate uh, yeah. out when i'm out to dinner so i'm glad to know that i'm glad to know that well tell us about some of the things that are going on well first of all a lot of people love chocolate but they don't really know about chocolate like i there's different kinds of chocolate and and how that works in the processing. I wonder if you could give us, since you are over research and development in North America, yeah. if you could give us a little bit of a window into what goes into making chocolate and 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 a little about process. Oh, I would love to. It's a it's a wonderful product. Uh, after more than twenty years in the chocolate sector. I'm I'm still eating my daily dose of chocolate and I still love it. So it's it's really a literally a sweet sector. Um, so yeah, and 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 chocolate making is is sort of magical. Uh, so it all starts with the cocoa beans um, in I grow in uh, around the Ecuador. Um, so in the origin countries where we also as a company are present. Um, and so and then it's yeah. Uh, 
after harvesting the cocoa beans that are actually in a big pot. Um, they are then um, fermented um, and then they are dried. And again, all that and the complete process needs to be done correctly. So if they are not well fermented, you will not have good chocolate at the end. If they are not well dried, you will not have good chocolate. So it's good fermentation, good drying, and then they are ready to ship to uh, the US or to Europe from West Africa mainly, because that are the main producers, but can be also from uh, South America or uh, Asia. And then, yeah, it starts. So then we start from the cocoa beans that we roast them. Um, and we can actually roast. And I heard another podcast on chocolate where they were explaining the roasting. And I thought I was grinching because it was honestly not completely true what they were all saying. But so in simple terms, you can or roast the whole cocoa bean and then remove the shell because it's really the inside that we are grinding into unsweetened chocolate or chocolate liqueur. Okay. Um, but but we can also roast, actually, we can first break the uh, the cocoa bean, so remove the shells and roast then the nips. So you have whole bean roasting, as they call it, or nip roasting. Okay. So once, once we have done that, we grind it into chocolate mass, cocoa mass, chocolate liqueur, um, unsweetened chocolate, it's all the same, but that's really the grinded cocoa beans. And that is what we press into cocoa powder and cocoa butter. So when you press it, you get cakes that you grind then to cocoa powder and cocoa powder is what you would use to make uh, yeah, a brownie or in, in a chocolate drink. Um, and the cocoa butter is then actually the fat from the cocoa that is used in chocolate. And that makes also chocolate unique because the cocoa butter has the particularity that it really melts exactly at our body temperature. So that's why it gives such a nice melt and a release of flavor. Okay. Uh, wow. I uh, know. Yeah. Does it come out differently? I would think it would if you roast with the whole bean or if you roast just what's inside the shell. Slightly different. But, you, but, but, but you can as such uh, match uh, one, one process with the other. Uh, and historically, uh, typically, chocolate makers were somehow... Um, doing whole bean roasting, where the producers of cocoa powder were doing more uh, nip roasting. Nowadays, it's going a bit uh, all, all, all directions, so you have really both. And as such, the, the end flavor with some adaptations of your parameters is the same. So in this whole process of making chocolate, I mean, there are some you know, some standard things that need to be done. But I, I, know, I know there's also innovation involved there. I mean, you're trying yeah. to meet different consumer needs. Can you share how you do well, it? Because, yeah, we, we, we are just at the unsweetened chocolate, getting to really the chocolate we eat, uh, so the dark milk and white chocolate we eat. Um, there's still a further process. So um, what we do is we mix the, the chocolate liquor with, with sugar for dark chocolate. We mix it with also milk powder for milk chocolate, or we take just the cocoa butter, mix it with sugar and milk powder for white chocolate. And after we mix it, we actually refine it then. Um, it are big rolls where we, we bring actually the particles to uh, less than 20 or 30 microns. 
um, where is where our tongue still detects uh, actually graininess. And we want the chocolate to be perfectly smooth. We refine it, then it goes through what we call a conch or a conching process. And that's a big kneading tank where actually we remove the unwanted volatiles, uh, the humidity, and that's where you form really the chocolate flavor uh, fully. And then you get to liquid chocolate. Then to get into a bar, we have to temper, so get the right crystals. And then we are actually in a chocolate bar. So that is really, in a nutshell, um, the chocolate process. But then, yes, we, we, we do innovate a lot uh, around, and not only the process. Um, but one example is, yeah, we, we invented the fourth type of chocolate. Eh? Besides dark milk and white, uh, we actually invented also ruby chocolate. Which I've never heard of, so you have to explain this. So it's actually a funny story how we got to there. We were doing fundamental research on cocoa and trying to create a sort of barcode to determine what cocoa bean would result in. And we came to a certain origin of cocoa beans and through a certain process, it gave us um, a pink or pinkish uh, chocolate liquor and pinkish cocoa powder. So, and we had something from, oh, who's waiting for a pink chocolate? So we made then a chocolate from it. And actually the chocolate tastes very unique because you have natural fruit flavors. And because it's, it's pinkish, everybody thinks, okay, that are added flavors, but no, naturally it gives fruity flavor and, and it looks then uh, with a pink color. So it's a very unique chocolate. Um, people like it or don't like it. I personally like it. My, my wife, for instance, she's not the biggest fan, um, but it's really unique with a natural fruity flavor and a nice ruby pinkish color. Um, and so it's officially now the fourth chocolate. And so we have also, I applied for a standard of identity, what is really the legal terms uh, in the US to, to, to call it a real chocolate. To call it, yeah, to get it yeah. categorized and identified. Yes. Well, I I have never heard of ruby chocolate. And I'm yeah. after all these years, <laughs> I mean, chocolate, it seems to me, is one of the oldest foods. I don't know how long yeah. it's been being manufactured. But the fact that you're coming up with a new taste flavor profile for chocolate, it's amazing to me. Yeah. And, and, and it was honestly a bit by doing the fun fundamental research that we bumped into it because then also marketing department went to consumer research from okay what can we really do with it because you have then a pink chocolate that okay tastes good um but then it they found actually that a dark chocolate is really for an energy boost a milk chocolate is for pleasure um but then there is also something called hedonistic indulgence um that consumers are looking for um, and that's more about yeah new things and new adventures etc and within that hedonistic indulgence space was perfectly uh, fitted so that that was actually then funny to see yeah there is a space for uh, a ruby chocolate oh my gosh well and also the fact that like you're saying it's new innovative makes people want to find it and try it and and yeah. experiment with that and and We've had the other three kinds of chocolates forever, it seems. So yeah. 
you know, so the same old, same old, let's go for the Ruby chocolate. I love the name of it too. Yeah. Yeah. They're calling just pink chocolate. I like the Ruby. Yeah. Chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ruby sounds a bit uh, more distinguished. Yes. Gemstone-ish, <laughs> you know, higher profile, just more special, which of course it is. And so interesting based yeah. on the growing region. Well, there are pretty basic ingredients in the different chocolates, but even so, do you have any challenges with, there's a lot of allergies happening here and the whole gluten yeah. craze, like how does chocolate fit in with some of those consumer needs? Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I know uh, better for you and specifically free of allergens um, is, 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 a, is a big topic for us. The good thing is, Chocolate as such is gluten-free. So that market, that check mark, we yeah. have already. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then of course, yeah, we have milk in milk chocolate and in white chocolate. So dairy-free um, or vegan, uh, fully vegan, uh, becomes then a bit more challenging. So yes. what we do have is now dedicated part of the factory with dedicated lines and airflows, et cetera, to really avoid any crossover of milk where we produce dairy-free uh, chocolates. Um, and, and of course, like a dark chocolate tastes, tastes the same, but we have then also milk-alike uh, chocolates. So what are chocolates where we replace the milk with uh, rice, or uh, oat uh, flour, um, and that gives you a milky uh, resembling uh, flavor. Um, where actually consistency that... and that flavor profile without the dairy yeah, ingredient. Exactly, and it's uh, it's also more sustainable. It's plant based, so so it has a lot of uh, pros to it, uh, and that's uh, extremely uh, popular. And we actually recently extended our range also making a dairy-free chocolate in filled chocolate inclusion for ice cream. Um, so that's in one of our factories, we make yeah the, the mousse tracks or the caramel or peanut cups that you find in ice cream. Um, but of course, all have milk in it. So, but we have now also a range of dairy-free uh, filled inclusions uh, for ice cream because the ice cream sector is one of the sectors where yeah, dairy-free um, is growing. And and I listened to to one of your recent podcasts with uh, somebody from ice cream sector that was telling also from, yeah, that he was working on dairy-free ice creams. So I was thinking he needs to try our uh, dairy-free uh, ice cream inclusions. So, well, after this podcast, I will connect the two of you so you can <laughs> talk about that. He's, I know who you're talking about, he looks for innovative ingredients and different ingredients and they do different recipes all the time. So that might be- yeah great uh, collaboration for you. Uh, so exciting exactly. to, to hear that too. And I've seen the dairy-free ice cream in the freezer section. Didn't know that was such a growing piece of the market for ice cream, but that makes sense because yeah. everyone, everyone loves yeah. chocolate and they love ice cream. Yeah. And, so and everything is better with chocolate. So Put, put some chocolate in those dairy-free ice creams. Eh? You could be a little biased, Mark. You realize that. Uh, I do realize that. <laughs> a little biased. Just right. a little. Now, so you're in North America, but you are in 65 countries across the world. And I think the classification of chocolate or what constitutes chocolate, doesn't aren't there different regulations in different countries, yeah, I yeah. think you were saying? Yes. Yeah. So, so worldwide, every country, um, yeah, 
European Union, they have one legislation, uh, but for the rest, uh, almost every country has a specific chocolate legislation. So what can be called a um, uh, real chocolate uh, with the name chocolate? And, and actually, the US is one of the most strict legislations worldwide, together with Canada, um, because where uh, the European community, Mexico, uh, most of the Latin countries allow other vegetable fats besides cocoa butter in chocolate. They, uh, so like in Europe, they allow 5% of what we call cocoa butter equivalents in, in chocolate. In the US and Canada, not. They only allow 100% cocoa butter as vegetable fat. So the only other fat, of course, if it's a milk, is milk fat, but no uh, vegetable fat besides cocoa butter. So, so in that, actually, yeah, US and Canada have one of the most strict uh, legislation. I did not know that, but that's that's interesting that mm -hmm. some of the other countries allow a different, you know, a little bit of a, a different kind of fat, not just the cocoa butter fat. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. well, so we're purists here in North America, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. It, it it is it is and and Serious. it was a big a big debate in in the in the European community uh, that was a bit led by the UK uh, because they had that already allowed um, and then yeah mainland Europe was against it but then finally they they got to it so they have it now um, but the US and Canada never uh... we're still the same as we were yes. well you talked about the ruby chocolate. And as you were going through, you know, your normal investigative process and then discovered this, this now fourth category of chocolate. So, so that's one way you innovate, but do you, do yeah. you take advice from us as consumers as well? Like, how do you decide oh. what your uh, new products are going to be or where, what direction you might want to go with your manufacturing? Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, we take all advice. Since we are working mostly with uh, customers, uh, so we, we clearly take the input and the demands of customers. And that's what I call a bit the pull innovation, where really the demand comes from the customer um, or from and, and you know, the silly example I always give from I'm looking for a blue filling. So we develop a blue filling for them, uh, whatever it is. So that is more the pull innovation. But then you have the push innovation. Uh, where actually we base ourselves on consumer research, on overall consumer trends. And based with that, we say actually, hey, I think we need to have uh, a chocolate that is fully made out of cocoa. No other ingredient, um, as an example, uh, because that is uh, answering a sustainability trend, uh, an overall healthy trend. What we did then is we developed what we call our whole fruit chocolate. It's a chocolate that is 100% made from cocoa, meaning the sugars in there are actually coming from um, the, the cocoa uh, pulp uh, that is in between the cocoa beans. So from the bigger cocoa fruit, you get actually also sugars, and that are the sugars we use then in that chocolate. And for the rest, uh, there are no cocoa fruit ingredients. So, wow, so you haven't added any additional sugar. You're getting it all yeah. from the regular plant. So, okay. and, 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 and that's yeah, just one example, but, but mm -hmm. there are then, yeah, overall, like, like a few years back now, uh, there was the, the high protein uh, craze, uh, especially here in the US. Mm -hmm. um, so then we developed a full range of high protein coatings. 
So where we added extra proteins so that on your protein bar, you could have also a nice chocolate on top of it with bringing again uh, also proteins. So yeah, so that that is certainly also one way. Um, but where we then go to our customers and tell them, hey, we have a great whole food chocolate or uh, high protein coating uh, that you should try out. While the other one is, yeah, no, the, cons the, the, the customer is working on a new cereal with a blue filling and we developed that then for them. Yes, and keep in mind too that uh, your customers a lot mostly are other businesses. So they might be innovating and need, yeah. I know one of the best parts of a protein bar, for example, is the chocolate coating. I mean, that makes yeah. it in some cases palatable because sometimes those protein bar manufacturers, they need yeah, to do- They scoreboard. Yeah. Actually, I should say, protein bars are so much better than they used to be because they okay. early in the, in the development of them, when it was a whole idea, I think that the taste yeah. profile was not as good and the chocolate was the saving grace. And now the yeah. fact that uh, they've, they've improved that quite a bit, but I still like some good chocolate in my protein exactly. bar. I yeah. love the fact that it's also healthy for me. You know, there there are some great health benefits to chocolate. I don't know if you want to speak yeah, to That's very, very much true. Of course, I have to start with saying everything with moderation. Huh? Am I saying here that eat, start now eating kilos or pounds and pounds of chocolate a day? Probably not. Um, but it is has to be said that uh, chocolate as, as a natural product, one, the cocoa fat is actually a beneficial uh, fat. Uh, even if it's a saturated fat, it is actually a good fat uh, shown to different research. And the antioxidants or the flavanols present uh, in the cocoa um, are actually more beneficial even than the flavanols in red wine and have been shown that they give um, improvement on heart disease, um, even for your skin, um, for memory. Um, so different um, benefits have been proven. And we actually are the first company also that has a uh, registered health claim and in Europe, uh, EFSA is the FDA from Europe, and with the FDA in the US for so Im improving the blood flow, that's in, in simple terms what it does, of our specific processed cocoa. Um, because you lose normally the flavanols during the process. We have a special process where you keep most of the flavanols. And so that that chocolate or, or, or that cocoa um, has a health claim, um, a recognized health claim for it. I very nice. I'm so glad you brought that out, Mark, because that is a, a critical thing. You know, sometimes the raw material starts out with certain qualities but then those might get destroyed during the processing piece of it. But what you're saying is that you you have, your process does not destroy that. Yeah. And so those, the health benefit is still existing in the end product. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but yeah, it's, it's then a darker chocolate, of course. Huh? So uh, it's a bit uh, bitter. Um, and overall, I think, yeah, also uh, towards health, the lesser sugar, uh, uh, the better it, it overall is. So uh, if, if I would recommend you 
which chocolate to eat i would say yeah eat eat an extra dark chocolate purely health wise is probably the the best uh, but at the same time still enjoy a wonderful milk chocolate or regular dark chocolate as well uh, i can enjoy a, a an extra dark chocolate, but also with limits. Once you pass 80% cocoa, then it becomes too, a bit too bitter, even for me. So, yeah. I'm kind of with you on that. I can be in the upper percentages, but if it gets up in the 90%, not as desirable for me, uh, the 70 to 80 range, I definitely can do that. And yeah. and all you need, like you were saying, everything in moderation. Sometimes it's just nice. You might have a craving for some chocolate. You can have yeah. just Nice square of chocolate. That's exactly delicious and just satisfies your body for that need. So yeah, it gives you energy as well. So in a dull meeting, eat some uh, extra dark chocolate and you uh, stay awake for the meeting. So yeah, uh, also it's good actually for sports as well. Uh, before uh, a sports uh, performance, uh, it also gives you energy uh, clearly. So um, nice and a lot, a lot health, health profile better than um, chugging down one of those energy drinks. So I'm. Yes. I would much rather have some chocolate. That would exactly. Be so exactly. Much well, we talked a lot about chocolate this afternoon, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed that. But is there anything else you want to share with us about? what you're doing there about Barry Callenbaut or? M much more, of course, but uh, yeah, I think I explained uh, uh, as shortly as possible the process a bit, yeah, the chocolate is made, uh, how, how we innovate. But yeah, it's really, we develop whatever our customers ask us to develop and towards the right application, uh, because also uh, like ice cream or uh, using ice cream, chocolate for ice cream or uh, a bar, is different. Actually, I'm not sure I can say it, but I can. I uh, yeah. No, but we, we were at actually the origin of the first known real chocolate coating for ice cream. Uh, what is Magnum from Unilever? So we were at the origin of it because the challenge there is since you eat it at a different temperature, that benefit that I talked about of cocoa butter melting at the ideal at your body temperature, if you cool everything off, it's different and it starts to become a ball of chocolate in your mouth and it doesn't melt that easily. So to overcome that, we actually uh, in increased the amount of milk fat in the chocolate because that lowers actually a bit your, 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 your melting profile. And so with that, you could actually come to a very good tasting chocolate, real chocolate, for ice cream so so but that's yeah then yeah then we can go over about applications but uh yeah it's ne never a dull moment who thinks about that like the fact that you really have to think about what the application is how it's going to be used what the temperature is yeah. going to be you know even in in transport what's happening you know is it yep, like yep. in the ice cream frozen or is it you know being transported in, what are the requirements they're just i i one of the things i appreciate yeah appreciate about what you did today, Mark, was you, you kept something that could be very, very complicated. I know that you're, the words you could have used are a lot longer and you could have gone into a lot more detail about your research and development and the whole process of making chocolate. But I appreciate that you made it understandable for our audience to really be able to dive in and easily determine. Now they know there's four different kinds of chocolate and basically what some of the parts of those are. And I think that's really exciting to be able to educate the public and keep people excited about a food that 
most of us already love. Can't see it enough. I, I still love it. Uh, whatever I can do to help spread the word and the love for chocolate, I will certainly do. Well, thanks for being with us today. I think you did a great job uh, spreading the word and helping other people, you know, continue their affinity for chocolate. I appreciate it. Uh, and if you, our listeners, enjoyed this interview with Mark and talking about chocolate, uh, please leave a comment and let us know. Subscribe to our podcast. Take a look at us on YouTube. Let us know what other kind of guests you would like to hear from. We're happy to bring them to you. Until next week, I'm Pam Linemiller. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcasts is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 